All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Speak Up podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Miss Kimberly Sunt, and she is a friend that I made in a meeting at the Southern Sea, which is a group of Southern women entrepreneurs that meets, now they're meeting in Sea Island. And I met her through, through that experience. Uh, Kimberly has a lot of, she has corporate experience. She has design experience. She has hotel experience. And I'm using the word experience a lot because that's really what Kimberly Sunt is all about, about customer experience. And she really deals with the hospitality industry and uh, the uh, design industry. And probably if you're listening to that, you're not in that industry because my audience tends to be uh, financial executives and computer uh, wizards and data people and project managers. And so you may be thinking, whoa, did I listen and tune into the wrong podcast? But no, you didn't. Because today we're going to talk about how we create the experience of ourselves of working with us, uh, the different ways that happens. And then we want it to be a positive experience. So I've had uh, Kimberly to rack her brain and think about how to take her knowledge from these industries and how we can use it in our companies to uh, have more fun at work, have a better experience, and you know, hopefully get a, a great promotion uh, in the next few months. So welcome, Kimberly. I'm so glad you're here. Please tell us a little bit about your path to being obsessed with client or customer experience. <laughs> hey, Laura, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, it's so funny that you use the word obsessed because you're right. I kind of am. And if you're like, well, I don't go out to dinner much anymore, but if you're like around me a lot, you don't, it's, I don't think it's fun to travel with me because I am constantly aware of what the customer experience is of the people around me. Um, you know, I don't think back in the day, I, you know, I'm have a marketing, branding, public relations background. And back in the day, we didn't use customer experience as a term like companies do now. Even if it was still a core value, um, it's not something, you know, we didn't have articles being written and studies being done like they are now. But because I was in the luxury hotel industry, I think that caused it to sort of become top of mind because hotels have always been saying, how do we delight our customers? How do we wow our customers? And it was very obvious the, um, the different opportunities to do that. And I'm sure most of the folks listening have stayed in hotels. And so you know that those touch points, every single interaction that your customer has with your company or your brand, and we'll talk about brand in a minute, um, is an opportunity for you to create another experience. So that was just sort of, it was sort of an easy, not easy. It was just already a part of that industry culture. Um, and what I did, you know, look at the ballet and then to look at the check-in and then look at what the room was like and how housekeeping handled things. So since I was in PR and marketing, I just, it was just an area I gravitated to. And I honestly, I mean, this was 20 years ago. I became sort of obsessed with it and making sure that our customers or a guest, as we would call them, felt a certain way. I think that's the other thing, too. I think everyone in business, anytime someone pays for something that we are providing, whether it's a service or a product, 
I honestly believe that we as business people have a responsibility to those customers to make sure it is a good experience. They're giving us money and granted they're getting something in return, but have you ever, I don't know, gone into a store or gone to a restaurant and you were excited and it just didn't live up to what you were expecting? And I mean, a, a big way to see this is like you take someone else, maybe someone comes to your city to visit and you take them to your favorite places and the staff that day just didn't have it together or they've changed some of the services that they provide. And you were like, I was so excited to show my friends. And then it was kind of a dud. We have a responsibility, and I think especially today, um, with some creative thinking and some true brand clarity, we can really, really set ourselves apart um, as corporations, as businesses, and as individuals by providing a better experience, both for our paying external customers and within our companies to our internal customers and our colleagues and our supervisors and our bosses. Oh, that is so good, Kimberly. And I, um, as you were saying about the disappointment factor, I, that, you know, I live in Charleston, which is a very touristy city, and there are some restaurants that shall remain unnamed who uh, put a lot of money into marketing and they are known. I mean, people come to Charleston and they want to go to these restaurants. And I went to them early on and I was so disappointed that they did not you know, live up to the reputation or the expectations. And I do think that people do have really high expectations now. But before we get in into that too much, also as you're speaking, I'm thinking that you must be a very process-oriented person to pick up on all the steps that it takes to create that experience. Whereas, you know, you walk into a hotel that has its own signature candle. I remember going into a luxury hotel in Paris, a friend took me into, and she said, oh, and notice the smell. It's their signature fragrance. You can buy the candle, I think, in the gift shop maybe. But I would, if I, she hadn't told me, I just would have, I don't even know, I might have noticed that it smelled really good, uh, but I would never have my brain would not go into, oh, is that a signature fragrance? So you, though, notice all those pieces, right? You're able to break it down. Do you have a process for that? Absolutely. I do notice patterns really easily, and I think that helps in um, seeing and understanding customer experience. But yeah, I think, first of all, it can become overwhelming. If you're like, okay, you know, this is a company, you know, we've got these kind of revenues, we've got 4,000 employees, whatever. How do we ever begin to do that? One of the things that I think, well, there's several different ways, but um, I try to look at every single touch point. And if you divide that into the pre-purchase, the purchase and the post-purchase, it's a little bit easier. And believe it or not, it's often easier to look at it from post-purchase because you kind of think, okay, they bought the thing, we delivered it to them, or we had, you know, we did our consulting job or whatever, it's over. But no, it's not over. I mean, what is the communication? So th usually there are fewer touch points after the purchase is complete. Mm -hmm, right, because you're like, an, done. Exactly. That's an easier way to look at it. Um, it's funny. I work with a lot of um, folks in the interior design industry. I'm not a designer myself. Everyone thinks I am, and I'm not. But what I say to them is, because the, the, the steps to uh, to have a new client in the interior design industry, typically, if you really want to boil it down to the basics, it's, there's an inquiry. They usually fill out a form on the designer's website. 
then at some point um, they do a presentation and then they do all the work, they install and then they get paid. So I say from inquiry to install to invoice. Make sure, or from proposal to payment. You've got to look at the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Another way you can do it is to start with pain points. Because again, hopefully you're not in a situation where you have too many, but just look at your reviews and look at, just listen. Um, so you, come on, somebody in your company knows where the pain points are. So take one and start figuring out how you can fix it. And the great thing about it, if you start chunking it down into sections like that, once you fix the post experience, it, it's sort of exciting and contagious. You're like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. Let's go do this and let's go do this. Just, you can't try to do it all at once. Um, I have a lot of tools that I use to sort of become your customer because I think that is really what we all need to be doing no matter what. Um, so some examples of becoming your customer could be, let's say you're a company where, let's say you're a bank and um, people constantly come into your bank. Okay, let's just say this is the person who comes in. So have you Googled your bank recently to see what the directions are? Have you driven it? Is there crazy construction if you go this way or that way? Um, what's it like to park there? Has that right door been stuck for six months? Be your customer. Um, if you walk into a, I'm trying to think of, an, of an, another, like, we, okay, this happened to me yesterday. I went to a doctor's office at a big medical facility and it was both me and the other woman on the elevator. We're going to the same doctor and we couldn't find the office. So uh, there's no way that doesn't happen to other people. Mm -hmm. So why isn't that signage fixed? Mm -hmm. So becoming your customer and walking in his or her shoes is so important. And you can do that online too. You know, what's right. it like to fill out your, I do a lot of, um, I call them brand experience reviews mm -hmm. for my clients where I go in and I, be, I Google them to see where they come up. And I go in and I always fill out their contact form on their website. Mm -hmm. I want to see what happens after I fill that out. Or if there's a problem, if there's a drop down menu, does that work when I do this? And then what kind of email do I get after that? And I mean, I have found some things that people are like, oh, I had no idea that's what was being sent out because we've automated it. There's right. often, you know, I hadn't thought about this before, but often the, a lot of the problems are in the automation and automation is a beautiful thing. We could not survive these days without it, but go in and become your customer with the automation and see how that works. And if there are any problems, because chances are there's a problem. I work with a lot of small businesses and I say that to them too. I know you probably you're using MailChimp or constant contact or convert kit or something to automate your email sequences. You've got to go through that yourself or ask your mom or somebody you trust to do it. My mom is so picky. She's now picky. That's not a good word. She is so detail oriented that she's now reviewing my materials before they go out. Cause she keeps oh, like, fun. I, I'm, eventually I'm going to have to pay her. <laughs> Yeah, my mom did that for me. It was that was a, a great service she did. And she was also very detail oriented. And you know, it's also the application, you know, to the corporate world is also like, how do people how is the experience of going to work? And then now that we're working from home, how can we make that better for people? Um, there was something else I was gonna ask. Oh, about well, you were mentioning the automation. And of course, automation, the big sell is, you know, profitability. 
tell me about the relationship because people want to have a good experience, but you have to make money to stay in business. And of course, business owners, corporate people, it's, you know, we, we, we want to, we have to have profits or we can't stay in business. And so how, how do you walk the line between the experience being a nice to have and something essential to drive financial outcomes? Well, I think we're going to take a step backwards for a second, because before you can really focus on customer experience, you have to understand your brand and your business, what those values are, um, how you define your company, what do you want people to say about your company? And I think a fun, fun, but an interesting (laughs) exercise is for you to say, okay, I'm, you know, the manager of this department. What do I hope people are saying about our, our, our company? And then do that with all of the managers and with your CEO and maybe your investors and see where the, um, where it's aligned and see where the gaps are because you've got to have that figured out first before you can figure out a customer experience. Um, just creating a good customer experience doesn't do anyone any good if it's not strengthening your brand. Uh. That is so, and, and your culture is part of your brand too. And really like, so that, so the customer experience is fits inside of like the purpose of your company, right? Absolutely. And because I really, really believe that we, you know, I'm a marketing person. And when I was within the hotel industry, that's in, as we started this um, beginning of this podcast, when I understood the importance of customer experience, it, it defined and really, um, sort of inspired everything I did from a marketing perspective. So I really believe that we have a sort of wasted marketing opportunity because marketing is going to lead to sales. So we need to look at it. And that is looking at our customers or our clients or whatever you want to call them and our employees as really important marketing tools. I often say that if we would spend more time making sure our employees understand our brand values and what we're actually selling, and I mean every employee, not just customer-facing employees, that would reap higher returns than spending money on advertising or spending money on these huge promotions. Another thing I like to say is make sure you're memorable and mentionable. Ooh, that's good. And that's, uh, that can be hard to do, but I want to give an example uh, of the customer experience and it must be reflected also in the employee experience of a non-luxury brand. And I will mention the company because it is a positive experience, but you, you, you brought it to my mind. Uh, there's a new medical facility in West Ashley called Holy City Med. And it's a, it's a low cost primary care slash urgent care uh, for small businesses to have an arrangement where you send your employees there, they get unlimited care or just walk-in traffic, which is what we are for them. And, and it's not luxury. I mean, the building I don't know what it was before. It looked like it's a blockbuster, maybe been refurbished, but it's, you know, clean and neat. But that experience is, first of all, it is easy to find and it's easy. Like you feel like with doctor visits, there's so much paperwork and it's so complicated and, you know, getting the appointment. But in this place, it's easy. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not luxury, but they somehow have, 
engineered the experience where you get good medical care. You don't know who, which physician is going to wait on you. I guess that's the, you know, the, the economy part of it, but they're all, so, you know, some you like better than others, but you get in, you get treated, you get out. It's one price because what I hate about medical procedure industry is that when they say, Oh, you should have this. Well, how much does it cost? Oh, well, you have to talk to somebody, you know, that how they never give you the prices for things. So that's just, an example of experience doesn't have to be, you know, the Ritz Carlton, if that's not part of your brand, that the, the, the experience, as you say, is a part of the brand. And then in that way, it will affect your, your values. How does, how do you see customer experience for the, you know, it, as important to the CFO of, of a computer software company or somebody that's, they think, oh, well, we're not, uh, we're not, we're a B2B. Let's talk about B2B, business to business. What are your thoughts about talking to about customer experience to top leaders in the B2B industry? Well, I mean, the execution might be a little bit different, but you still want to make sure the second B is having a great experience. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm sorry, but B2B, I, you know, the listeners, I'm sure, and you too, Laura, might disagree with this, but we're not, no one is selling to computers. We're all selling to people. Good. I love it. Yes. You're so, right. You're right. Yes. so the, 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 the second B is filled with people. I mean, I, even though I'm working with individuals, I mean, they're businesses. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that we need to ask ourselves, and then I will more directly answer your question is, what do our customers and clients value? Your example a second ago about the, um, the, the medical facility, they, it sounds like they're really smart and they have figured out what their customers value. If they, if they value a more cost efficient, more cost efficient medical care and they, they value um, their, their time in getting in and out. I mean, here's an example. So when I go get my hair done, I I do color and cut and I expect to be there for a good two and a half hours because, and I, if if they get me in and out in an hour, I think something's wrong. When my boyfriend gets his haircut, if he's not out in 20 minutes, he's irritated. We both have very different values when it comes to that same industry and that same service. Right. Um, So back to your question, I think, First of all, some, someone asked me recently, what is, um, whose responsibility is customer experience in, in, a, in a business? Yeah. Yes. And they're like, it's the response. And it, typically people say, well, it's probably the responsibility of the customer service reps mm-hmm. and the responsibility of our salespeople. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I disagree. It is. Okay. You know, when, let's ask the question, whose responsibility is budgets and revenues and numbers? finance department's responsibility to oversee all of that, but it is every person's responsibility to make sure that you're being responsible with how you spend the company's money and that you're doing your expense reports correctly and that you are finding the best price on this or that, that you're paying the right salaries. We are all responsible for it. It's the same thing with customer experience. There's probably one department that kind of oversees it, and, and just keeps their fingers on it and their eyes on it, but everyone is responsible for it. 
Um, Bain & Company just put out a new report recently saying that if companies would, when, when companies focus on the customer experience, they go up in the double digits above oh, wow. their, in that, in their marketplace. So this is not just revenues. This is like, market it, share. like, yeah, from this year to last year, this is the, mm -hmm. in, in their markets. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I think because it's, it's not like a, it's hard to find a step-by-step -step process. And so people are like, uh, I, 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 I understand PR, I understand marketing, I understand sales training, but I, I don't know the process for creating better customer experiences. So they don't necessarily pay attention to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think the process, the easiest way to start is to start, you know, looking at touch points. Um, again, back to healthcare, you know, that, that, talk about, you could probably do an, a series of podcasts on that particular industry. But, you know, I get those, what are they called, EOBs? You know, anytime you go to the doctor, you get something from your health insurance company that says this is your, the service you had. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a bill, but it tells you what, what's coming. I mean, I get those, you know, two days after I go to the doctor. It's amazing how fast they are. And, you know, they take the money out of my bank every month for my insurance premium. I'm like, Okay, if they can automate those things to get to me in two days, why can't they automate every quarter to send me a note saying thanks for being our client? Yes. Client, thanks for being our customer. Right. That is very easy to automate. Right. Um, we were talking about the invoices earlier. I mean, what if the, the person who's responsible, and now I'm talking like big, like you said, B2B, like big um, sales. Mm -hmm. So what if that salesperson in the CRM could write a note saying, thank you so much. We love doing business with you. Thank you for trusting us with your da 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 da, da Sheila. And that talks to the, uh, the invoicing software. And that note is on the invoice. Oh, yes. Person. I mean, if, and if, if you're doing huge sales, mm -hmm. then make it even more personal. This is going to, okay, it's going to freak people out. Okay. Just take your top, top, top customers. Cause they're your top customers. Right. What if, I don't even know if I should say this out loud. What if you send an invoice in a beautiful box with a gift saying, thank you for being our customer. It has a ribbon on it. You have to untie the ribbon. That is an experience. Do not tell me that that would not be both memorable and mentionable. And you want your top customers and clients to be talking about you. That, that, is, would, yes. that would make it memorable and mentionable. That is so good. Well, I just you can see that uh, on social media. Sorry, yes. you can, people would people would put that on Instagram or even LinkedIn these days. LinkedIn now has stories. Can you imagine that as a story on LinkedIn? Oh my gosh! I, well, I I I have to give myself a pat on the back because we're uh, I just sent out five uh, Southern girl gift boxes to coaching clients and corporate clients, which is you know those are it's a box of southern artisanal like get i don't know uh some food and you get some maybe a candle and some jewelry and a book is is very female oriented and it's very southern it's very personal and yet i felt like i wanted i always want you know teaching self-care and practicing what you preach i just sent them uh, the little gift box so I did something good. Oh, my customers. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm so proud. <laughs> yes. Another thing uh, for the audience to understand that Kimberly has helped me with is because uh, I always want to, I'm like thinking of new programs and new offerings and new webinars and new 
new things to share as I, cause I'm always learning and I, and she said, Laura, you're, you know, you've got way too much to process. And so, you know, sometimes we, uh, in our enthusiasm, we can overwhelm people. And that also comes true with, um, corporate, uh, communication. You know, you think about, uh, I work a lot with introverts because we tend to communicate less frequently, whereas a more charismatic, warm extrovert creates a different experience around them, maybe without even realizing just that friendliness, that checking in with you, that comes natural to some people. I mean, that people record that as, a, as an experience of another person. Do you have anything to say about, about how, you know, on an individual basis, like how people experience another person? Well, one thing I will say is I think you have to be, you don't ever try to be something you're not. Oh, for sure. I yes. mean that whether you're, you're just, you're looking at your own personal brand or if you're a big company, just because Zappos is doing it that way or because, you know, Herschel Supply Company is doing it this way or whatever. If it's not going back to brand clarity, if it's not true to your brand, don't try to do it because not only is it just a waste, but you confuse your customers. The whole, I could do a whole, maybe we'll do another podcast on brand consistency because that's a, that's a huge, huge, huge thing. And that does not just mean that your logo and your profile pictures are the same, the brand voice, the brand visuals and the brand experience. Mm -hmm. But back to people, you know, a tool that I have, a lot of people have told me is really helpful um, when they put it into practice is when you do a screen recording, um, there's a, what is it, an app, I guess, an extension, Chrome extension or something called Loom, like a weaving loom, L-O-O-M. And okay. it makes it really easy. And you can, do, you can do an enterprise version of this. I just have the free version. But you can record yourself on the whole screen or um, as a, just a little circle and show things on your computer. So you can share your screen. Mm -hmm. And what's so great about that is that's sort of a safe way to talk to your client without being live, without being in person, say, hey, thank you so much for signing up for this, or thank you so much for whatever, or hey, I'm, I'm so glad that we're gonna be working together. One thing that seems to happen with other customers is that this one section in the, uh, on the website or in the contract or whatever confuses them, let me just clear that up for you right here. Mm -hmm. So if you can be helpful and you can think about, I mean, the customer has, questions and vulnerabilities also. So if you can figure out what those are and address them, you're, you're now the hero. I think we can always think about being helpful. I when I was in VR and I couldn't stand to pitch editors and writers, I, it felt salesy. And I mean, if people are in sales, then their chances are pretty good at this. But all the other people, I was like, <laughs> oh, I, just, I just felt like I was bothering them and I hated it. And then Finally, I had this perspective shift, this big mind shift where when I provide good information mm -hmm. that they need, then I am extremely helpful. And once I stopped being in my mind, I said, okay, I'm not selling, I'm not pitching, I'm being helpful. Mm -hmm. And, and I was, but you've got to be honest with it. You can't right. do it. You know, you can't come at it from a, a way of, Oh, I'm going to get bigger sales and I'm gonna have higher revenues if I act this way. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. And then it became, they were calling me, the New York times was calling me and saying, Hey, the travel editor, Hey, do you have this? Oh, like, wow. I'm a, they have to, they have to put out content constantly. Right. Right. So do your homework and know what they need. So anyway, it's just a, it's this loom. And I think there's some other um, 
tools out there that do it too, but it's an interesting way to have a conversation with your, you know, cause you can review it. If you don't like it, you can delete and do it again. Right. Um, and you can do it once. I mean, okay. if, you, if you, you don't have a ton of customers, um, you can do it personal and use their first name, but if you can do it once and just say, Hey, so glad you're here. And that's a, that's a, I think it's an interesting way to communicate. Um, but it, it also makes me think of the, it, it's a good tool, but it's also kind of such a trend that, you know, the chat bots that are on so many um, websites. Right. right. I mean, I'm a believer, believe it or not. I'm a believer in the chat bots, even if it's a bot and not oh, a real wow. person, but you've got to be honest and transparent. Do not pretend it's Brian in right. Nebraska on the other side of that little screen. Oh, Just, okay. hey, you're talking to a bot right now because we want to make sure we get you to the right human. Right. And, right. And, and you can write something that's on brand. This is little and huge at the same time, but you know, the 404 pages, like if yes. you type your mom thing in, or, or something, yes. there's a link that's broken. It's another, that's another great opportunity to strengthen your brand and create a great experience. Oh, that is, that is good. It's, it's I, I wrote an entire blog post and an entire workbook just on better oh, wow. 404 pages. And I mean, you've got everything in there from Southwest Airlines to Marie Forley. I mean, I've just got a ton of examples mm -hmm. and it's, it's a pretty easy fix. It should not take very long, but it's got to be on brand. It can't be like, oops, this page doesn't exist. So it's kind of the same idea with the bots. You, that's a, or with the chat box. Um, it's a great way to, I think I used the word bots wrong. Sorry, it's not my thing. But anyway, okay. it's, it's an interesting marketing opportunity. Right. And it, you know, it makes people feel something. Like if, right. if, if I'm reading, this happened to me with Microsoft of all places. What? And it was a fantastic experience. I have a PC and that's, it, it, I mean, this was probably two years ago. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a fantastic experience. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm always going to use, I mean, Microsoft is now, I'm a fan. I'm talking about it on a podcast for heaven's uh -oh, sake. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you're in the, and you're a creative. You're supposed yeah. to be user i know oh, i know oh my gosh well this question may be like kind of crazy for you because you're but because uh, you help companies you know nail down that brand consistent customer experience but just you know for the vice president of um or the controller of a company like how do we have an idea about how people experience us on a day-to-day -day basis you know the based on our communication quality and quantity and the way we dress and talk to people. Like, do you have any uh, tools or ideas on that? You can ask people. Oh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I did that exercise a few years ago where I sent emails out to 15 people who I'd worked with. So these mm -hmm. weren't, this wasn't my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I can find, if you want it, I can send it to you and put it in the notes, but I actually said, when you work with me, and then I asked very specific questions. I can't remember exactly what it was, but what do you value the most? And maybe is there anything that makes you crazy? I promise I won't get upset or something. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating um, because I, I was like, oh, I didn't realize people valued that about me. Oh, um, so and, and I actually heard not a bad, there were no bad. Well, I heard that sometimes I have too many ideas and I just spew them out. Uh -huh. And if I could just be a little more step-by-step -step step mm -hmm. process. And I do that in my own work, but when I'm with other people, I get so excited right. and I, I, I am a creative thinker. So I just, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. 
Um, and so I, I don't think I've actually um, achieved that one yet as I'm just doing out <laughs> things right here. But um, I think that's something that you can do. I think you can have a, a closer conversation with someone you trust mm-hmm. and just a, basic awareness. Just watch yourself and think about it. Come on, you know when you're talking with someone or you're emailing with someone, if something's a little bit off. Right. Press pause and look at it and think about it. This is one of the things that I do all the time, whether I'm going into a negotiation, I'm doing a a consult call, I'm doing a presentation to 5,000 people, I'm going into a basic staff meeting, is I ask three questions. And I, I, I use this when I'm creating customer experiences too. A, how do you want people to feel during this experience? Do you want them to feel inspired? Do you want them to feel smarter? Do you want them to feel empowered? Do you want them to be intrigued? How do you want them to feel? When it's over, what do you want them to say? When they're walking down the hall with their friend, their, you know, their colleague or their assistant or whatever, you know, that was a really good meeting. She, she gave us such such specific tactics that we can do to fix this problem or, oh my gosh, you know what? I, I'm so excited. I, you know, I'm going to stay an extra hour tonight just because I cannot wait to get this new program off the ground, whatever. What do you want them to say? And reverse engineer that. What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to say? And what do you want them to do? And that one doesn't always, you don't always include that. But if someone's on your website, mm-hmm. what do you want them to do? And you can't want them to do everything. You have to right. tell them what to do. Right, right. So it's really a, um, you can think about that going into, I mean, any kind of meeting, even if it's on Zoom. Um, how do you want the other person to feel? What do you want them to say? What do I want you to say, you know, to your husband after this podcast? You know what I mean? And then and what do you want them to do? And it just shifts your mind. And I think we can do that for ourselves as well as, you know, in a, in a, in a business setting. Absolutely. And what I, yeah, I have a variation of that, but I think, I think I um, advise people, how do you want your boss to tell her boss about you? Like when your boss talks to her boss about you, what do you want them to be saying? And, and you're the, and it's such a shift for people because usually there people tend to be, Especially think about a corporate career, you know, you start off just doing the job and then maybe you're managing a team that does the job, but your focus is so task oriented and so tactical and then shifting to how people experience me, including my, the people on my team who report to me that that's a really big shift uh, when you're not customer facing, when you're, you know, very, even though you have internal customers, I think it's a big shift for people to think about how other people experience them and that they have control over that, or at least influence, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Like you just mentioned internal customers. Think about what the onboarding process is, or even the pre-onboarding for people who are interviewing to work with your your um, work at your company. So, how is HR coming across as? Do you, do you want to come across as you know, sort of the person in charge, or do you want to come across as compassionate? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but right. just spend some time thinking about it, um, because you have to be aware of what you, how you want to come across mm-hmm. before that's going to happen. And in the beginning, sometimes you have to think through it step by step by step. You know, 
what to your point a second ago, your example, you know, how does how is my boss talking to her boss about me? But how do I want her to be? What do I want her to be saying? And you can look, you know, come on, you can look at those and say, okay, well, I want her to be saying this and assuming it's for all the right reasons. Correct. What can I do to kind of shift that a little bit? Exactly. I mean, do I need to come across on my Zoom calls as a little more professional? I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. I mean, for heaven's sake, talk about communication and you know, being on these our, on our computers all the time. I started to write a blog post on how to be more professional on Zoom and to represent your own brand as well as your, your company's brand. But then I thought, nah, 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 nah. This was probably in, I don't know, May. I thought, no, nah, everyone's figuring it out. Okay. It is many months later and it is still messy. I'm like, y'all, you know better. I mean, there's just so, so many things you can do when you're on these calls to present yourself in a better light whether it's what you're wearing or what's behind you. Make, if your camera, I, talking about Microsoft again, I have a, a, a PC and this particular computer, does, the camera doesn't work mm-hmm. right with Zoom. It's really weird. So I bought a little camera on Amazon. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and it changed the world. At the same time, if you're the one in charge of the meeting, I think we kind of forget that, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, it's going to be my face and the thing, everyone else doesn't have to talk, da, 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 da. But you've got, we've got to give some boundaries and some structure to our Zoom calls. It really makes it easier for the attendees. How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to say? And so why not do that? If it's going to be a two-hour call, are you going oh to schedule a break for 10 minutes right. in the middle right. of it? And right. let them know that. Is it okay to put your, you know, your face up before and, and not be on video? Mm-hmm. Tell people. Make them feel more comfortable. And, you know, on Zoom often on calls with a lot of people, make sure you have your thumb, um, you know, your little tiny picture of your, your headshot in your Zoom profile. So your headshot shows up and not just your name. Yes. Another thing, yeah. Another thing I always do, I think most people probably have a Zoom account because you can have a free account. Right. Especially if it's a bigger meeting where you might be called on or you're going to talk just 30 minutes before the meeting, go into your Zoom account, go to personal meeting room, and just start a Zoom meeting by yourself and uh, just look at it. Make sure you look okay. That's You're gonna a have good to pre- idea. I, I did that before this. I mean, I, uh, I know that the, the, the listeners can't see us, but right. I always do that. And if you're nervous about doing a presentation, go into your Zoom thing and, and record yourself and just do I it. I love that. I love that. You know, and I've taught, I don't know how many Zoom webinars, but I didn't think about that tip of like rehearsing in your own account and you can see yourself, you can see your background, you can see what you're wearing. That's a really good tip. Well, this, this is so much fun. I love to hear you talk about this topic. I appreciate your coming on, on sharing your time and your expertise with us. Do you have any of your, as a successful person in corporate and PR and design, helping designers and helping people with their customer experience, like what are your go-to communication tips just to, you know, to get your point across in the right way and to build relationships and to give feedback? Would you mind sharing some of your best communication practices? Especially when we're meeting remotely. Um, whether if it's face-to-face or it's just through emails, I think we've unfortunately so quickly gotten into the habit of thinking it's not as important. So one of my biggest things is to prepare and to think for a minute. 
I mean, if it's important, print out that email and read it. Read it out loud. I love so I that. We, yes. We really need to prepare and not think because we have on yoga pants on the bottom that it's not important. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you know how to share your screen if that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be succinct and to the point. We're all on our computers too much right now. Mm -hmm. So don't write a five paragraph email. Mm -hmm. Know what your point is, know what you want to get across and do it quickly. But at the same time, because we're not face to face, keep your personality in there. You know, let's not become such a remote world. Everyone needs some, I'm going to say we need some love, but we do, we, we, we need that. Personal and connection and personality, we, exactly. humanity. Yeah, so I think this is the time to, I think a lot of us, when we work for other people and we work for big companies, we kind of put that in a little room and sort of shut the door and don't let it out too often because it's not professional. And granted, you have to stay true to your company's brand and culture, but I think there is a big place for showing kindness and showing that you care and um, that that person on the other side of that screen matters to you. And uh -huh. I think that can take us a long way. Kimberly, that is so good. That is so good. I really, this is, you know, I love to talk to people in different industries. And I think we can always, like, if you're um, a data person, that you can learn from somebody who works in design or you can learn from a customer experience. I, I love that. This, the, I, it's my own version of the de Medici effect of this cross pollination of ideas. And I think all of us have to, I mean, you want to be successful as owner of the company or as a corporate uh, leader that you we, we need this awareness of how people experience us and 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 develop the tool so that an experience you know drives other people to feel good ar around us and to, to do what we want them to do to get the outcomes that we want so if anybody here would like to follow Kimberly Sunt. She has a great Instagram account. Would tell, tell people, Kimberly, how they can follow you or get in touch with you. Because I know people listening to this are gonna want to follow you. You really are always sharing amazing ideas. It's inspirational and helpful. So share, tell, tell people how, to, how they can follow you. Thank you, Laura, that's so sweet. Um, my website is my name, KimberlySunt.com, and Sunt is like a bunt cake, but with an S, so S-U-N-D-T. And I'm fortunate because my LinkedIn is also Kimberly Sunt, and my Instagram handle is um, Kimberly Sunt. So, um, you know, and I send out a newsletter once a week, which I think has some, some tips and some inspiration, and I, I really enjoy talking to people. I mean, my 20-minute free consult call, I have... I mean, it's not a sales call. It is let's just talk about what's on your mind about branding or creative thinking or customer experience. And if I can help you, fabulous. And if not, maybe I can point you in the right direction or send you a guide or something. So I, yeah, I'm an introvert too, which most people find surprising. But um, I do love chatting with people because every time you chat with someone else, if you're open to it, you're going to learn something about the world, about them, about yourself, about perspective. And so... Um, yeah, so anyone who wants to reach out, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram or come to my website, I'd love to, to chat with you. Oh my gosh, you just gave some little introvert inspiration there. That's awesome. All right, <laughs> well, thank you so much. And until the next time, I'm gonna sign off here. Goodbye. Bye, thank you.